the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. A retired U.S. Lieutenant Colonel, Kevin Randall has been studying UFOs for nearly 50 years. Kevin has investigated some of the most famous UFO cases in the world and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries about UFOs. Considered one of the leading experts into the Roswell UFO crash of 1947, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs, including the recently published Roswell in the 21st Century. Now, here is the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. Good evening. I am truly Kevin Randall, and this is A Different Perspective. In just a couple of moments, I'm going to be joined by Philip Mantle, who is a UFO researcher, a writer, a publisher uh, in England. But before I get to Philip, I uh, wanted to report some sad news. Frankie Rowe, who might be the last of the witnesses who actually handled the debris from the Roswell crash, or what she claimed was the debris from the Roswell crash, passed away on Friday. And I have known her or had known her for 25 years. She came to a uh, lecture, presentation that Don Schmidt had done in Roswell at the uh, New Mexico Military Institute and talked to us briefly afterwards. And from that point on, we developed a uh, relation with her, talking to her about what she had seen, what she had done. Her father was Dan Dwyer, who was a fire department lieutenant at the time. And as the story developed and we found out later, he had gone out to the crash site. At least he told his daughter that he had done that and seen the craft in the bodies. Uh, we never got to interview him. Uh, Frankie's sister, Helen Cahill, said that her father told her, told her the same thing. And we talked to a firefighter who was at the fire department at the time, J.C. Smith, who confirmed that Dan Dwyer had done that. So I just wanted to pass on that rather sad news that Frankie Rowe had passed away just a couple of days ago. Moving on from that, I am joined, as I said today, by Philip Mantle who is a veteran UFO researcher, an author and a publisher in the United Kingdom. He has been actively involved in UFO research and investigations for nearly 40 years. And during that time, he was part of the Yorkshire UFO Society, the British UFO Research Association, and the Mutual UFO Network. In 2015, he founded Flying Disc Press and has so far published three UFO books from Poland, Romania, and the US with more to come. He can be contacted at uh, http flyingdiscpress.blogspot.co.uk, which I think gets it all in. Uh, Philip Mantle, welcome to A Different Perspective. Good evening, Kevin. Nice to speak to you. I'm glad to have you on. We finally managed to get this hooked up properly so we could do this sort of thing. I wanted to talk to you today about uh, the book that you had done with Irina Scott which was, and I'll let you give us the whole name of that book. Yeah, the book is UFOs Today, and it's 70 Years of Lies, Misinformation, and Government Cover-Up. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that, and I think you've got a new book coming out about abductions or something of that nature? Uh, not at the moment, but I've got some new books in the pipeline, yes. Okay, and we'll, we'll see if we can get a, a time to chat about those as well. So, uh, Irina Scott, did she come to you with a book about UFOs, or did you approach her? How did uh, the two of you hook up on this? Yeah, I mean, Irina, you know, 
um, contacted me on social media and then email um, because the, the, the two other books I'd done, UFOs over Poland uh, and UFOs over Romania, have been quite well received. And for me, I'm, I'm, I'm very pleased to have published those two tomes. Um, one of the aims of Flying Disc Press, to, to begin with, was to try and publish information that perhaps hadn't been seen uh, that much in the West, Kevin, obviously because of the language barrier. And um, that certainly happened with Poland and Romania. And Irina asked uh, if I would be interested in UFOs today. We knew the, the anniversary was coming up this year, so there was no reason why not. Uh, I mean, she is a bona fide, you know, PhD academic in her own, her own right, as was the uh, the author of, of uh, UFOs over Romania, uh, Dan Farkas, PhD. So um, that's how we connected, and um, she put a synopsis together, had a look at that, and I thought, why not? Let's go for it. Uh, sounds like a good deal to me. Uh, we're going to have to take our first break. As I said, this is going to be a, this is always a short segment, so we don't have a lot of time. As I always say, if you want more information about today's program, you can look at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. You can take a look at the X Zone Broadcast Network (XZBN) or for our friends in Great Britain XZBN.net, and it'll, there'll be links to the various programs and uh, topics that have been discussed. Uh, by the various uh, hosts of the various programs on the Exxon Broadcast Network. When we come back, I'm going to little, get a little more in-depth with uh, Irina Scott's book and how that came to be. So stick around, and you might learn something. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7, 365. As I have said, I am joined by Philip Mantle, who is the publisher at Flying Disc Press, and he's done a three books so far on UFOs, Poland, Romania, and here in the USA. Um, I understand the Pol the book, the Polish book was probably originally in Polish, and the Romanian book was in Romanian, and now the, uh, the third book would be in English, so we'll concentrate on that one. And we talked to Irina Scott here on the Different Perspective uh, several weeks ago about her book. I was a little bit disappointed because it seems she didn't have a really firm grasp on the UFO phenomenon. Uh, you the editor of the book, the publisher of the book, did you? Did that come across to you at all? Not at all, Kevin. I mean, I, I've listened to Irina on some other um, podcasts and radio shows, and, and there was never an issue. 
maybe um, maybe she just found you a bit intimidating, you know? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know why. I'm a sweetheart. I know you are, but let, let's be honest. When it comes to certainly Roswell, um, you and maybe a handful of others will know far more about it than I ever will, and Irina as well. And um, so that's the only reason I can think of. She, she's had no problems anywhere else. So I, I put it down to you and your reputation, Kevin. <laughs> so I'm blaming you. <laughs> I didn't think she'd even know who I was. Uh, so I, I, I don't know why that would intimidate her. Well, I, I guess one of the things we should talk about is this uh, Deputy Sheriff Forgus, who is uh, part of the Roswell section of her book. And I had a little bit of trouble with his... Uh, information because it it looked to me or sounded to me or seemed to me that his description of where he was when the craft was being recovered or allegedly being recovered was based on a picture that we'd published in uh, the truth about the UFO crash at Roswell standing on the uh, edge of a uh, well, it actually looks like a big crater, but it's really not kind of a valley type thing. And his description seemed to match that. And he didn't seem to add anything to the uh, discussion that was particularly interesting. And I guess some of, there's been new information on that. Did you did you want to tell us a little bit about what we now know about his activities? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Charles Forgus was a deputy sheriff. Sadly, he's deceased. Uh, prior to that, he was in the uh, in the military during the Second World War. Confirmed that he claimed. In a, in a video taped interview in 1999 that uh, he and his, his sheriff, a gentleman by the name of Jess Slaughter, uh, were en route to Roswell. They were in uh, Big Springs, Texas, to pick up a prisoner. There's been a, a guy they'd been looking for, he'd been cashing dud checks, and he was being held in Roswell. En route, the, the, he claimed that um, he heard, they heard on the police radio about the crash and, and went and I'm cutting this very short. They went and had a, a look. Uh, they, they found the location. They saw the we're going family style deal because I want a bite of your Big Mac and I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Could family genetics be a reason that no matter what we try, we still can't lose the fat and inches from our problem areas? To learn more, we spoke to Dr. Brian Strand from Sonobello. While some people can eat everything and stay thin, others diet and exercise daily and still pack on fat and inches to their problem areas. It's not your fault. It can be genetics. If you struggle to lose the fat from your tummy, love handles, thighs, and back, you're likely battling your family genetics. The good news is we have an answer. Sonobello uses a remarkable technique called microlaser fat removal. In one comfortable visit, the fat in your hardest places to lose is gone permanently. Stop wrestling with your family genes and lose the fat permanently. And right now, you can save $250. The results are life-changing. Do this for you. Don't wait. Visit sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Hundreds of military personnel there, but uh, I saw this huge, great flying saucer. He described it as maybe 100 feet long or wide, whatever you want to call it, that was being lifted out of the canyon. Although I think he called it a dry riverbed. I'm not sure. And um, bodies as well, and they were after a you know a short period of time they were um, not forced to go away, but were told to go away in no uncertain manner. They carried on their journey into Roswell, picked up the prisoner, and went home. Now he told this story to a a private investigator in the U.S. who again sadly is now deceased. Uh, she was called Deanna Short, and and how it came to my possession originally was that a, a film company by the name of White Tiger Films, a gentleman by the name of Scott Ferguson contacted me and wondered if there was any way that this could be commercialized, i.e. he wanted to make a movie. And he asked me if I would help look into it. Well, the first thing we found out was that not Fogus, but Jeff Slaughter, the sheriff, was not the sheriff in that time period, Kevin. He was the sheriff in the 1930s and then again, in the 1950s, but not in the 1940s. So he, he could not have driven down with uh, Charles Forbes. 
Well, let, let me let me interrupt here because there's one point that that you kind of mentioned, and I wanted to to explore a little bit, is that they heard about this over the police radio. I'm not sure there was a lot of discussion on the police radios from the, in the Roswell end of this about it, but even if that was true, I don't understand how they would have penetrated the military cordon that was set up according to everybody who was involved in this thing, from uh, 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 Sheridan Cavett and and uh, Lewis Ricca to some of the MPs involved at, uh, and the news news reporters, um, specifically Judd Roberts from KGFL in. in uh, Roswell, New Mexico. Kept on saying Dallas for some reason. Roswell, New Mexico. And so they wouldn't have been. He wouldn't have been able to get out into the area to see the craft in the body. So I didn't. I didn't understand how he would have been able to get out there. Was there any kind of explanation for that? No, there isn't. There's no explanation of how they got there, how they got through the cordon, or or whether there was a cordon or not. Uh, having said that, you know, uh, on the introduction to the show, we talked about the lady that just passed away. Her father was in the fire department. Now, did he get out there? He, he got that. out. He got out there before the cordon was up. He was involved uh, right at the very beginning. And from the way you're discussing it, the uh, military was already out there cleaning up the area. By the time no. when when Dan Dwyer went out there, there hadn't been a cordon up. The cordon no. went up later later in the day. Kevin, I'm, I'm not supporting the gentleman's story. I'm just telling you what what he recounted to us. Understood. Understood. Just wanted to to see if we had. Um, any sort of explanation there no what i said to the film company was well first of all there isn't enough even if this guy was on the level there isn't enough information here to make a movie so i suggested that they could perhaps use it as a um a fictional way if you like of of telling the roswell story pretty much like we have with the film titanic you know rose and jack didn't exist you know but it, it tells the titanic story um, yes, yes, but there was a guy named Dawson on the Titanic, yeah. and uh, who's buried in Nova Scotia, and a lot of the teenage girls migrated to his grave because they thought it was Jack from the movie. I know, I know that. <laughs> so I just had to throw that in because I could. Yeah, we had some discussions. Initially, we just had a transcript, then we got a copy of the video. Um, it was in possession of, of the, the late Deanna Short's uh, family, uh, uh, son and daughter. Um, we were in discussions with a, a small film company here in the UK. Then all communication just stopped. No phone, no email. I tried to contact Scott and it just went dead. I thought he's lost interest or whatever. And it was after about a year or more, I finally found out that sadly Scott had died all of a sudden. Hence the non you know, contact. Scott yeah. being the Scott being the guy with the production company. That's correct. Yes, yeah, Scott Ferguson. So I sat on this information. Now he's, you know, nothing's, as you know, revolutionary in it. But then when 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 Dr. Scott came on the scene, I asked her if she could help further investigate it. I first had to track down uh, the owner of it, which is a gentleman by the name of Robert Short. He's Deanna Short's son. He lives, believe it or not, out in the wilds of Albuquerque somewhere, and half the time he doesn't even have a telephone connection. But I managed to, you know, track him down. He said, yeah, of course, Philip. So at the same time, Irina was part of MUFON. She asked MUFON if, if they would help as well, which they did. And they pretty much came to a similar conclusion to yourself, Kevin. And they speculated, you know, could he have been mistaken and could he have gone down there in the 1950s and seen something else? That was just speculation. So well, was, I, there, was there a reason nobody tried to contact, say, Stan Friedman or Don Schmidt or Tom Carey about this since they were actively investigating the, the still activating, actively investigating the, the crash in, in that time frame? Well, you know, to be honest, it, when it was went to move on, they came back really quickly. I mean, within a matter of days almost in some respects, you know, I thought it would take much longer than it did. But... You know, I was satisfied with what they had come to. I think I've, I think I showed you. Then I, I at some point I gave you a copy. Yes. I think, I think I've sent a copy to 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 Don Schmidt. Although I wouldn't be a hundred percent certain on that. But I was happy with their conclusion, and I asked Doctor um, Scott if she wanted to use it in her book, which she did, and she put you know both sides of the argument and Mufon's report, and it only forms a, a very very small. Uh, part of her book but one of the reasons we, we wanted to get it out into the public domain as well uh, and it's a long shot we thought well maybe just maybe 
somebody connected with um, this gentleman, you know, the deputy August, might come forward. Um, I tried to get the, the, the median in Big Springs, Texas, Texas interested, but it fell on deaf ears. Uh, and it went out in the newspapers, which I, I, I expected it may well do. And lo and behold, uh, not too long ago, a matter of weeks really, um, a gentleman came forward who claims to be the nephew of the late Deputy Forgus. Didn't add any further information as to what he may or may or not have seen, but what he did say, he said, he said you know, my uncle never talked about this, but um, he was, you know, on the level. He was an honest gentleman. Uh, he, he, it's one of the reasons he went into the police force after the, after the war. And uh, what he has given me is some other family members, contacts, and there is another nephew and even uh, the son of, of uh, Charles Fogg. So, well, uh, again, let me, let me interrupt here because it, it's a wonderful point for me to plug my blog once again. You had prepared a, an article about all of this stuff which uh, you allowed me to publish on the blog, which is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. So you can read about some of the communications that, that you, Philip, had with the family of Forgus uh, after all of this kind of broke. Yeah, I mean, it was my pleasure to share the information, I mean, in, in, the, in the public domain, because that's one of the reasons why we released the, the, the alleged information from, from Charles Forgus in the first place. But like I said, he's given me two further family members, and I've contacted them in the old-fashioned way, Kevin. I've actually put a letter in the post to them. And, uh, they still do that? Well, well I think so. Uh, you know, I hope so. And well, I've, I've, be, I've been in touch with, with uh, Dr. Scott, Irina. She's on standby if, if you know, if, if she needs to talk to them. I don't want to talk to somebody in the, in the United States rather than, you know, like, rather than myself over here in the U.K., uh, and the letters should be arriving pretty much now, or if, if they haven't already got there. Um, so I'm, you know, I'm hoping, fingers crossed, because I think I think certainly one of the addresses in Big Springs was was quite an old one. So there's no guarantee that that, that they're still at the address. But we can but try, Kevin. And um, like like you said, with with, uh, with with Frankie, you know, all the family members confirmed what her father had said and things like that. So. That's, that's, and I've asked them straight out, you know, I've, I haven't beat about the bush anywhere. I've, I've asked them about that. I've told them what it's all about and, and just said, did your father or, or did your uncle tell you anything? And if they say no, it's no one. That's it. But they may pass us on to someone else. Who knows? And, um, you know, and that's the end of that. If, if they if they don't respond, there's not a lot more we can do. The information is out there in the public domain. And, and uh, let's see what happens. Well, yeah, that's a good point. I mean, one of the things we want to do in an investigation is contact as many people as possible and see what they might know about a specific event. I'm just thinking in this case that uh, it doesn't seem to fit into the Roswell scenario other than the guy said it was Roswell because I'm not sure how he would have gotten out there. there I'm not sure how he would have heard stuff over the police radio. And having driven that area frequently myself, uh, it's very difficult to find if you don't have specific directions. So there's a lot of problems with the story uh, that way, which is to suggest maybe he was talking about something else and got confused about it being the Roswell case, which is something that we can explore. But we're going to have to take we're going to have to take another break, as I said, and interrupted Philip to do so. We um, I, we did a, an article about this at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. You can take a look at it. You can take a look at my analysis. You can take a look at what Philip has uh, reported on this. And remember, his um, website is http flyingdiscpress.blogspot.co.uk. So it's something in the United Kingdom as well. Uh, we'll return in just a few moments with Philip Mantle talking about uh, UFOs. So stick around. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net. 
I am back with Philip Mantle, publisher, author, UFO researcher, guy who has been around the block uh, more than one time, I think we can say. We were talking about the uh, Forgus sighting in, in Roswell. I think we've kind of exhausted that topic. Uh, my question would be, is it possible that he was involved in a different UFO sighting or landing or something like that and kind of confused the issue? Is, is that the we're going family style deal? Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pounds. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Is that at all possible? Well, yeah, I mean, that's one of the scenarios that um, the MUFON report suggested, that perhaps he got things mixed up a little bit, and he wasn't there in the 1940s. He was perhaps, you know, later in the 1950s, when Sheriff Jess Slaughter had been elected. You know, he was around at the time, and he did work with him. We know that for sure. Um, you know, he was he was getting on in, in, in years when the interview was done, Kevin, and because all we've got is a transcript in a, in a video recording, We've no idea whether whether he was outright lying, which, who knows, or was he confabulating? Was he just old? Did he have you know some kind of illness? There is no way of telling. Um, so we we can speculate till the till the cows come home, but there's nothing much else we can do. All we can say is it's interesting. We've put it into the public domain, and if anyone else can shed some light on it, for or against, that's fine. There is no problem with that, and. Uh, you know, I'm speaking at a conference in Hull in September of this year. It's, it's organised by Outer Limits magazine. And uh, we're going to air the whole 16-minute video of this gentleman in public for the first time. Like I say, there's nothing, you know, there's no great revelation in it, but it will give people the chance to see it for themselves. Because I've been asked a lot of questions on social media and email and so on. So the best way is to say, look, here it is. Have a look for yourselves. Make go away. Make up your own mind. It's it's as simple as that. That's that's what I aim to do. Well, I notice when I've done uh, interviews and when I've watched interviews done by other people, uh, you look for different things. You hear different things that the original interview may not have picked up on, and sometimes some interesting stuff comes out of that. So there's a you know possibly something will happen there. What uh, I guess the question is, and you probably don't have an answer. Was there any idea what this other event could have been? Was there any speculation in that direction at all? No, I mean, Mufon did mention it could have been this, or it could have been a, a you know an aircraft that crashed and so on. You know, but but I'll leave it at that. I mean, what what I got from from uh, both reading the transcript of the interview and watching the video was that whoever was asking the questions really didn't know what to ask. They were asking some, what well, I would say, the daftest of questions. They were putting words in this gentleman's mouth. You know, there were leading questions, Kevin, you know. And so the, 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 you have to take that in, in, into uh, in, into account as well. So uh, what I pick up, what I hear from you, what you're saying here, having have, you having seen the video, is that it's possible that uh, the private investigator kind of led him to the Roswell case as opposed to him coming to her to talk about the Roswell case. Let's, let's think about this, Kevin. If you know nothing about UFOs, I think everybody in the world knows what Roswell is. It's the UFO crash. That's about all they may know about it in some respects. So it, it wouldn't surprise you, would it, if he's talking about one thing and she's gone, or someone's gone, oh, you mean Roswell? And he's just gone along with that. You know, you can put, you, you know yourself, Kevin, if you have to be careful when, you, when you're interviewing people because it is very easy to say the wrong thing. Uh, and and, and I, I suspect there's a little bit, there's nothing intentional, of course, purely, you know, accidental. But there was a lot of leading questions in, in the interview, in, in my opinion. And, um, you know, it could have led, him, led this elderly gentleman down the wrong path, I'm afraid. Yeah, I, from what you're saying, I think that's probably the most likely explanation, having not seen the video myself. But it sounds like he was probably led to the Roswell case. Uh, let, me, let me step back here and talk a little bit about um, Irina Scott's book, Dr. Scott's book. And she... Uh, teaches, I guess, at the Ohio State University, and I always like to say that because the is part of the actual name of the university, the Ohio State University. Uh, looking at the book, I didn't see anything in there that was particularly new or particularly exciting, particularly uh, outrageous. When you were looking at the book, did you 
find something that was new and exciting in the book? Well, I mean, an academic's viewpoint on the subject, uh, Kevin, no no matter when. I mean, we're often criticised as UFO researchers uh, by the sceptics or the debunkers, whatever you want to call them, that there are no scientists involved in the subject. Well, you know, you know as well as I do, Kevin, that's not true. Uh, So here you have a bona fide scientist, you know, uh, Irina Scott, uh, working on the subject more behind the scenes rather than you know, on the front line, in, in, in you know, investigating and, and interviewing people, she much prefers to be behind the scenes. And of course, she's worked at some of the establishments that, you know, um, were used by the, the U.S. authorities to investigate the subject. You know, Memorial Institute. She worked at Wright Patterson. Uh, we even have a couple of photographs from inside of Wright Patterson. Shows the little green man painted on the walls there. So, if nothing else, that that certainly brought a smile to my face. But it is, in mind as well, that it is an anniversary book. You know, not everybody knows as much about the subject as you or I do. Um, So it does cover some old ground, most definitely, uh, but that's what it was designed to do. So so you're saying it's sort of a primer for those who may may not know a lot about the UFO phenomena, and it doesn't concentrate on Roswell. It starts with uh, the Kenneth Arnold sighting and moves to a wide range of UFO sightings. Absolutely. I mean, the Roswell um, Fogus thing is only a a small part of of the whole book. I think it's in Chapter 4, and and it is only a tiny part of the whole book, but it begins with with Kenneth Arnold, although there is mention of things that happened before, before Kenneth Arnold brings you right the way through and Irina you know, puts her own opinions to it uh, and she's in no doubt she chose the title of the book you know and the subtitle seven years of lies misinformation and government cover-up so that pretty much tells you where where she's coming from uh, and I think you know for an academic that's not that's that's pretty good going uh, Kevin you know well, you, you'll have spoken to academics behind closed doors who don't like to commit wouldn't like to put their name to anything well Fair play to her, she has done, and, and, and the book's been very well received, and, uh, and it, it will continue to do so, I think. Well, when we talk about her being an academic, what is her area of expertise? Physiology. 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 That was her first PhD, I believe. That was one of her, her, her areas. And, of course, her husband, uh, he did work at Area 51. Um, and nothing secret, nothing, not, you know, he's, he's, not a, he's not a guy who said they were reverse engineering, you know, alien spacecraft, but he did work there. Whether that adds any credence to, to, this, to, the, to the book, yeah, I'll leave that up to you. But she, she showed me her papers, I thought of his papers, so it's, it's not a rumour. Um, but, um, you know, she has a long academic list, Kevin, you know, of, of where she's worked and the kind of things she worked. Uh, and... The things that she's published have also been in academia and ufology as well. So there's a bit of both. Well, I was, as I say, I was just kind of concerned, but uh, and I'm looking at it, of course, from my point of view, which is someone who has been involved in uh, UFO research even longer than you have, which I hesitate to say simply because it really makes me sound old. <laughs> but um, I, I didn't see anything in the book that hadn't been discussed in a lot of other books uh, at some point in time. So I, I was just kind of curious as to how this whole thing came about because it seems to be, um, I'll say a guidebook into UFO, even though the word that springs to my mind was rehash of a lot of stuff, but I mean a guidebook to the UFO phenomenon. So I was kind of looking for something that was new and exciting. And I, other than Forgus, who, uh, I, and talking to Don Schmidt about it, he'd said that he and uh, Tom had interviewed um, – the, the woman, the private investigator, and I guess maybe had seen the video back in the late 90s and had decided that it didn't fit into the Roswell case. So they had kind of passed on it. So I was just looking for something that might be new and exciting, which would be hard for anybody to do uh, in a book about UFOs simply because of what I have been exposed to throughout my career. So I, that's kind of where I was going with that. I can understand that. I mean, one gentleman um, that I know very well said, Pretty much the same. He says it's a good book for any for those that are not familiar with the subject, like we are, Philip. And I think that's 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 fair comment. But it's you know, it's, it's extremely well written, and I think she's done a good job of it. Uh, and we might even look at uh, a, a follow up to it, Kevin. And you can have her on the on the show again then and see how she how she goes. 
<laughs> well, let's uh, let's do this. I know that you've got some additional books in the pipeline, and I we got an announcement from you just the other day about some of that stuff. What's what's what do you have this new? Because we just we don't have a lot of time left, and we're coming up against a break here too. So, uh, what's what's coming down the pipe? Well, again, we've got another academic. We've Dr. Roberto Pinotti from Italy. He's um, written a two-volume work, and it's all about uh, contact cases in Italy going back to the early part of the 20th century right the way through to today so so volume one runs from i think it's off the top of my head is from like 1906 through to 1978 volume two will be 1978 right the way through to today so that's in the pipeline and when you say when you say contact let's define our term here because contact contact me contact me suggests contactees as opposed to people who've just stumbled across uh, a UFO maybe landed in the field and that sort of thing so are we talking about contactees are we talking about the whole broad spectrum of uh, landed UFOs and seeing the alien creatures and that sort of thing yes the, the latter the whole broad spectrum in your face on the ground creatures whatever you want to call them uh, and of course, you know, Italy has a rich history of it, and that, that's in the pipeline now. Uh, I'm not sure when it will be published, but I've got the first volume, and I'm working on that. And we also have uh, Carl Nally from the Republic of Ireland, and he's proposed uh, with a colleague a book about cattle mutilations in, in, in the country. And uh, again, I haven't read it all yet. I've read the synopsis, uh, and, and we're all happy. And he's sending some new photographs and some more information. Just got the email about that today. So that you can see that in the future as well. I'm also well, when you say when you say cattle, cattle mutilations in the country, you mean the cattle mutilations in the United Kingdom, or, or is it limited to Ireland? The Republic of Ireland. As, as far as I can tell, I haven't read the whole manuscript yet. But they've already published two books on things in Ireland, uh, and I'd recommend those to anyone. Um, and it looks an interesting and different book. Uh, I'm also trying to get permission to republish some old material. I mean, some of the old, what I would call classic cases like Pascagoula and things like that, simply because, you know, those are out of print. Um, and for me, they're, they're fascinating incidents that tend to be forgotten about. And, and if you try and buy some of these books, you know, uh, they cost an absolute fortune. So I'm not aiming to make a fortune from them, but I, I think that, you know, I'd like to see them back in print. So I'm in discussions to try and to try and do things like that as well. And I'm just going to publish um, the 1999, sorry, 1991 UFO Symposium Proceedings, or we call it a Congress here in the UK. We had uh, papers presented by all the speakers and uh, I'm, I'm going to republish that for the first time because it was only sold in limited quantities. And there's some fascinating stuff in it. I'd forgotten most of it myself, Kevin. I had to retype this thing. It's only 90 some pages, but I'm not the fastest of typists, you know. And and it was interesting. Some of it made me smile because they're talking about the early introduction of, of computers in, in ufology back in 1991. But then, you know, we have the late Bud Hopkins talking about some of his research. Well, let me let me interrupt you here because we're going to have to take our last break, and I, I hesitate to do that because you were on a roll. Uh, as I say, take a look at uh, http flyingdiscpress.blogspot.co.uk. Look at look under Philip Mantle if you if you want to find it uh, easily. Uh, also, there will be additional information at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com, and never forget that if you're really interested in the Roswell case, take a look at Roswell in the 21st century, which discusses some of the things that we've uh, talked about this afternoon here, or th this evening here. Uh, we will be back right after this with Philip Mantle and maybe learn a little bit about cattle mutilations and what he thinks about those, so stick around. This is the Exxon Broadcast Network, broadcasting worldwide on broadcast affiliates and satellite program providers, including CNN Broadcast Network, Sirius Satellite Network, Star Media, Good News Radio Network, Angel Broadcast Network, Wiki Broadcast Network, and WPBN-TV. For more information on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, visit us at www.xzbn.net.
Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. I am back with Philip Mantle. We were talking about uh, cattle mutilations, more or less. We've kind of got off on that tangent. Uh, not a, exactly an area I was going to get into, but since he brought it up, I thought I'd explore it. First of all, Philip, do you believe that UFOs are mutilating cattle? Um, it's, it's not an area that I've, I know a great deal about, Kevin. I've got to be, I've got to be honest. Uh, but from a, from a publisher's point of view, I think it's something different. Uh, we'll probably associate... Uh, Linda Moulton Howe with, with cattle mutilations, that's about all I know. Um, certainly from uh, a European perspective, it's not something that's ever hit the headlines or gone into a great deal of, of publication-wise, so that's why I thought the book deserved a chance. Well, let me, uh, ask, you, let me ask you a question here, because uh, as, as a publisher, do you have a responsibility to sort of vet the material before you publish it? Uh, not well. Yes and no. I mean, I know Carl. Uh, I've read it, uh, and his colleague. I've read one of their previous books, which I thought was excellent. So I also I already know them uh, by reputation as well, uh, and I will read the book uh, before I sign the contract. Now, if there's anything there that I thought was um, how can I put it, you know, untoward, uh, I, I would just say no. It's as simple as that. However, just because they may have a different perspective than myself or a different conclusion or a different hypothesis, then, again, so long as it's not uh, breaking any rules that I can see or, or morals or anything like that, you know, they're not writing about, you know, paedophilia or anything of that nature or, or supporting terrorism or things of that nature. You know where I'm coming from, Kevin. I think but I'm, I'm but I'm kind of concerned in in the UFO field. We that, have we have an awful lot of uh, books being published, and I think that um, the readers look at it being published and think there's some sort of vetting process going on, and oftentimes there isn't. They the the publisher is looking for a good story and. He or she doesn't care whether it's true, and I think we just had a good example of that with the MUFON conference. Um, this this last couple of weeks where they're talking about the secret space program and they're using sources that are probably not the most credible in the world. And so I was just wondering, since you are in the field, you've been around the field for a long time, if you if you really uh, sort of screen the work in that sort of way. Well, absolutely. I mean, I, I read all the manuscript, you know, quite literally. I, I, the, the three previous books, I read the whole manuscript before I signed the contract. Um, and, and I'm glad I did, um, because then I could talk to people like you, and I, I know a little bit about what's been. <laughs> so there is, there is a, there is a. I, w- I don't like to use the word vetting. Now I, I don't know what the correct word is, Kevin, but I, I would read it and think. Well, I may not agree with how. How, how about fact check? Well, if you I don't guess, like vetting. Yeah, that you can do a, a degree of that, but if it's if it's, if this is their opinion. Then that's and it differs from mine. I don't really have a problem with that. But if it's something like you said, the secret, if they were saying this is all linked to the secret space program, and then I wouldn't give it the time of day. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take a, another look at it. Um, but there are those. But the reason being is that I'm not necessarily into the publishing side of things to make a lot of money. So long as I break even, I'm I'm happy with that. Um, I was grateful to a number of publishers down the years to give me a chance to publish my books. And this is, a, this is for me, a way of, of giving little things back. 
Uh, and if I can do the same to one or two people, and uh, I, you know, I'm quite happy with that. So well, I know, I know. It, what I do is, you know, people who want to publish books, people who uh, do research, they've come to me all the time and ask for advice, and I'm, I'm happy to give them the advice and tell them how to get things done and who to go to. But my concern is, um, and, and I'm not pointing a finger directly at you, but my concern is that a lot of publishers really don't care about the accuracy of the UFO information. They're just interested in publishing a book. Don't care full stop. It doesn't, you know, no matter what they publish. I, I always tell people that when you pick up a newspaper, the only two things you should believe are the date and the price. And you should check that a couple of times as well. So it doesn't just, it's not just linked to our, our subject. It's, it's publishing in general. Uh, and, you know, and that, I know, Newspapers are not there to tell you the news, they're there to sell newspapers. There are certain publishers will publish books because they want to make some money out of it, and they couldn't care less. I, I don't put myself in, in, in that frame. I'm, well, how I, do you distinguish who is publishing the books to make money and who's publishing the books to tell the, they'll tell the truth or tell a good story? Well, I can only tell you what, I, what, I, what my intentions are, and if people believe me, that's fine. If they don't, well, I, you know, I can't do anything about that. Um, uh, but I want to also give people a chance to get their information into the English language, like with, with Peter from Poland. When he sent me his manuscript, uh, it wasn't for publication. P Peter was trying to you know, help perfect his written English, uh, and he sent me the manuscript just for me to read and comment on. And when I read it, I thought, well, this is a damn good book. So we published it. Same with, with Dan, um, you know. Uh, he'd written some articles for us when I was a magazine editor, which I found absolutely fascinating. And I asked if if, if, if he had a, a, a enough material for a book, and he said, "I'm already working on it, Philip." And um, uh, and hence we published that as well. And um, so that follows with with Dr. Roberto Panotti. A lot of people will probably know Roberto in one way or another, but not necessarily a lot of the things he's he's, he's been researching and investigating because. It's all in Italian, but you know, thankfully, his manuscript is coming in English, so I don't have to worry about translating it. And it's fascinating stuff. I may not agree with his conclusions, but so, I'm going to publish it. Do I understand you really don't accept the idea of the the contactee, the people who are in communication with the great with the space brethren? Is that am I picking that up from what you're saying? This book is not about contactees, it's about the close encounters, the landings, the creatures, the beings. Uh, and and if, you want, if you want my opinion on the contactees of the 1950s, then I would say, no, I don't agree with them. No, I think that was... Are there, but are there stories of the contactees in this book, that uh, the, the oh, Italian book? Contact cases, not contactees. Contact. Ah, okay, okay. It's not contactees. Um, and like I say, they go back into the beginning of the 20, 20th century, right the way through to modern times. And not only that, I know Dr. Finotti. I've, I've met him many times. Uh, you know, I've written articles for him. I've been out to his conferences in San Marino that he hosts, and in Italy it, itself. So I know the gentleman. And, and whilst I may not necessarily agree with everything he says, I'm, I'm confident in, in, in its publication. I, I like it a lot, and, and I will publish it, well, both volumes. Okay, all right. Uh, what uh, other than these? What's what's coming up for you in the future? Well, one of the other things I'm trying to do is is um, publishing wise is is audio books. So some of the publications I've mentioned, plus some of my own old books, Kevin, you know, have them in audio books. That's something different. But one of the things I don't know about you, but I've got in my office here filing cabinet full of old papers boxes full of papers, but these are paper files. These were my investigations, investigations with colleagues that I worked with, you know, pre-internet days. And I, I, I've got that many. I forget what, the, what, I, what I've got. So what I've been trying to do as well is to go through some of my old files and publish them online, you know, with well, let me like, let me let me ask you a question. I, I and I only got a couple of minutes left here. Um, what is your favorite UFO case? What is the best UFO case that you've come across in just a minute, minute and a half? I live in a, a former mining district. The next town down is called Normanton. In the summer of 1980, a lady contacted us, reporting a landing at the end of her uh, housing, at the end of her street, 
she went, approached it with five of her children, and she saw a landed craft that she described as looking like a Mexican hat, only silver in color. Uh, outside was three humanoids. The children tried to climb the fence to, to get a closer look. These beings walked around the back of it. It rose up into the air and was gone. What did, was, the, what did the beings look like? They were humanoid, but they got so close they could see they had a visor on their face. They didn't have gloves. They had mittens and they had big wedge-shaped boots. So they were very close. I, I've been to the site. And um, I even spoke to one of the children's friends who, who didn't see the event, but he came about an hour later and, and, and confirmed about how excited they all were. And they were all talking about it. Now, the lady in question thought it will be all over the news tomorrow. She was amazed. Nobody else saw it on a bright, sunny day. All the children were off school in the summer holidays, and she was flabbergasted. So she was either lying or telling the truth, and I could find no reason why she was telling lies. Uh, well, I, I think we find that in a lot of uh, witnesses. Where there doesn't seem to be any advantage to telling a lie, but some of the cases just blow up. Uh, Philip, I've uh, just run out of time here, so I'll have to. We'll have to wrap it up with that. Um, is Philip Mantle. He is the publisher of the uh, Flying Disc Press. You can find him at HTTP flyingdiscpress.blogspot.co.uk. Um, he's got a couple of books out about UFOs, including one that gives us a history of the UFO phenomena, basically as it was here in the United States. Philip, uh, thanks a lot for taking some time to chat with us today. And for those of you who are interested, if you have... Uh, want to know more information, a little bit of, of what else is going on, take a look at www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. There's information there about uh, this uh, program today, uh, other programs in the past, and take a look at X-Zone Broadcast Network, xzbn.net, to uh, find out who else is doing programs uh, in this arena. Uh, there's some interesting hosts out there and some interesting programs that you might want to listen to and if uh, the mood moves you take a look at uh, Roswell in the 21st century which gives I guess a dispassionate cold case look at the Roswell case as it stands today I'll be back next week uh, with another guest talking about UFOs and that sort of thing I'm not sure who the guest is going to be at this moment, but we'll get something worked out and hope to pro provide an interesting show. So we hope to hear from you all in the future. Thanks for listening. <laughs>